0: You're listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast with Mark LaCour and Jake Corley. This is the show for busy oil pros who quickly want to keep their finger on the pulse of the industry.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Oil & Gas This Week. You're listening to episode 134. What's up, Mark? It's cold, Jake. It is super cold. It was like 25 degrees when I left the house this morning.
0: Yeah. And, and I know the rest of the country is probably playing violins for us having to deal with 25 degree weather where they're dealing with below <laughs> zero weather. But if you live in Houston, 25 degrees is cold.
1: It is absolutely freezing. I am not built for the cold. I'm yeah. looking forward to uh, the
0: summer already. Yeah, me too. Although you watch, you and I'll be bitching about the summer being too hot when it gets here Come on, in September. We'll have to remember this, this day. So this is first Friday Q and A. Before we get into it, if you enjoy the show, Help support it, please. All you have to do is leave us a review. It takes three minutes. It's the number one way to, to support the show. So we appreciate you uh, leaving us a review. First Friday Q&A, it's where we try to answer the questions
1: that you ask us. So,
0: uh, Jake, let's go ahead and get jump into it. Start with the first question.
1: Cool. First question is uh, from Parker Montarubio. He says, hi, guys, new to the industry and recently discovered your podcast. I find it very helpful in learning and keeping up to date with the market. My question relates to your views on technology within the industry. How do you see blockchain technology penetrating the oil and gas industry, if at all? Uh, Where would it be most advantageous? Ooh, what a great question. You want to jump in there or you want me to start? You can take it first and then I'll jump in. Okay. So the whole thing about uh,
0: blockchain technology and, you've, and people have probably seen a whole bunch about some of the cryptocurrencies that have been just like going through the roof and value. And it's basically blockchain technology is, is basically a open ledger type of technology. So when you attach blockchain to stuff, you can actually see where everything has come from, where it's went, and, and there's no way to hide anything. So the cool thing about oil and gas is it applies in so many places and think about supply chain. If you drop a blockchain technology in a supply chain, people can make sure that they're getting paid fair, that their vendors aren't scalping them. The vendors can make sure that whatever they're selling to their clients ends up where it should be and is used properly. And it would just add a total layer of transparency, which would lower the cost for everybody and also increase everybody's margins. The other thing that's new in oil and gas is uh, cybersecurity threats. It's because there's so many new points of entry because of the new technologies we adopted and there's so many new places for the bad guys to come in. And so blockchain technology would overlay exactly right there and help improve cybersecurity. And then You know, oil and gas, we're always talking about getting oil on the ground or what's going on in pipelines or refining it. But there's a huge world of trading globally in oil and gas, right? It's it's one of the few global commodities. And so if you use blockchain in the trading, it would increase efficiencies, right? And it would also make sure that what you bought was really what you bought. So it would add some security to those trades, which once again, would lower the cost of the trades, but actually increase the margins. Now, the problem is, Getting people to adopt it because it's so new, but there's you know off the top of my head there's some places that would be a perfect fit in oil and gas,
1: obviously with like what, what I look at is is mostly an upstream, and so most of the ideas that I have about utilizing blockchain in, in oil and gas you know typically pertains to that the, one of the first things that comes into mind of things that are centralized now that uh, create lots of issues for uh, ENPs, for example, would be stuff like <coughs> regulatory, like re- regulatory reporting. It is centralized to the state, and I think blockchain could disrupt that area. If you had a way to possibly decentralize that and actually standardize the way that reporting is done, I think that would be kind of interesting way to see. I think also when it comes to sharing of actual like data. So like there's there's many companies out there like drilling info and Petrode and a whole bunch of other guys that you know sell essentially. Public information It's stuff that you can get on the Railroad Commission website or other state regulatory websites, but all they do is they they are able to, to mine for that data uh, or upload it into their database and provide some kind of like visual, kind of like BI interface on top of it. It would be kind of crazy to see, you know, if, if we were able to somehow implement some kind of blockchain with, with EMPs where these EMPs were able to swap data amongst themselves. And I know a lot of people think, well, why would EMPs want to share information? Well, the thing is, one of the great things about blockchain is it can be completely anonymous. And so you can be sharing data publicly and nobody really knows who it is. And so there's, there's a lot of really, really cool applications for blockchain. I think, uh, you know, it's still in its infancy and there's a lot of things that need to be worked out. You can take it beyond just a simple ledger. You can also do stuff like smart contracts. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of hard to say, but it's definitely really, really exciting technology. And we're seeing a lot of use cases in a lot of other industries, real estate, medical logistics, you name it. We know we're seeing a lot, a lot of uh, disruption in a lot of other industries.
0: Yeah, you know, Jake, you brought up something I didn't think of. But think of all the joint ventures around the world that oil and gas companies do. Blockchain would be a perfect way to have an open, transparent joint venture. Both sides yeah. can see the data they need it without it being identifiable. So there's another place where it would just drop right in, and it's it's definitely coming. I've I've been hearing about blockchain oil and gas for probably five years. There's actually a blockchain oil and gas conference, which tells you there's a big enough interest that companies are willing to spend money to go to a conference to talk about blockchain oil and gas. So it's definitely coming. Parker, I Man, what a great question. Uh, we'll keep an eye on this, but I, I have no doubt in my mind
1: that blockchain will play a big role in oil and gas in the next 10 years. All right. Next question is from Mike Lewis. <gasps> He's currently looking for a job, and I'm sure you have already reached out to him, but I'm going to read the question anyways. He writes, I'm an engineer with 12 years experience in engineering and project management, over 10 of which is offshore oil and gas focused on subsea control systems. In 2016, I was working as a consultant contractor to Tula Oil, and my contract was released. As part of the 100,000 plus without work in Houston, I managed to secure with the U.S. Department of Defense as a civil servant working as a facility engineer in Oklahoma City. Knowing I wanted to be in oil and gas, I spoke with one of the most respected mentors, a VP of Hess, and some recruiters who recommended I do uh, an MBA. I chose to attend OU for MBA in energy to broaden my skill set as I have a master's and bachelor's degrees in engineering already. I'm completing the program in March of 2018 and would like to be working back in the oil and gas industry. Do you have any recommendations for ways to gain exposure to companies or network in Oklahoma City area? I found it to be a real challenge to find opportunities and to get past applicant tracking systems to speak to actual hiring managers. I believe we believe have a lot to offer companies. Definitely not looking for handouts, but looking for ways to get back to working in an industry I have a real passion for. Any feedback or advice you can offer would be helpful.
0: Yeah. So, yes, I've already reached out to Mike, but he brought up a really good question. And there's a couple of things here. One is, Jake, I think the University of Oklahoma is on our speaking list for this year, so I think we may actually go see Mike in person. Well, one of the things that I recommend that you do in anybody, in anywhere in the world that's looking for a job and want to network with people in person is think outside the box, right? So, in this case, there's a bunch of oil and gas conferences that go on in Oklahoma, right? And so, um, Oklahoma Oil and Gas Expo, the, uh what's the other one we went to? We actually went to one there, Jake, I can't remember the name of it, but the Native Oil and Gas, the, uh, SP Oklahoma uh, events. So, What he should do is go volunteer for these oil and gas events. They'll take him as a volunteer and let him work, which means that everybody that comes to those oil and gas conferences, he's going to be able to meet if he wants. And he can see who the speakers are, see what companies they work for. It's a great way to kind of make – those introductions in a way that's non-salesy, that's not in a networking environment, and you could do it for, for for nothing. The other thing that you may want to do, Mike, is join some of the associations in Oklahoma. There's an API association, local s- chapter there. There's the Ho- Oklahoma Independent Petroleum Association. Now, these associations are going to have a big group of what I call the graybeards, right? The guys that have been in the industry for 15, 20, 25, 30 years. It's going to take you a little while To get to know them and for them to get to know you and the number one way you can do that is to volunteer once again and help so they'll have things like luncheons they'll have sporting events volunteer for that stuff and when they see you volunteer, it makes it quicker for them to accept you and open up to you. And I promise you, this is an industry of people doing business with people. They will help you get in front of the right people. The other thing you may want to do, Mike, is do some research on Google about how the software filters out resumes. And it's a lot of it's built around keywords and the ability for the software to read your resume. And you may want to rewrite your resume Per each individual job, making sure that you include the keywords that are in the job description so that the software will pick your resume instead of kicking it back out. But, you know, it's a finding a job right now is getting easier and easier. Companies are hiring, and, and we actually are predicting that probably by the end of 2018, even the upstream companies are going to start struggling with hiring people. The service companies are already struggling with hiring people, which just makes it better for your job seeker. Anyway, I hope all this stuff helps, and, you know, we wish Mike the best.
1: All right. Next question is from Daniel. He's a textile support over at He writes, why is OPEC headquarters in Vienna?
0: Yeah, it's, it's actually, a, it's a business story. So Geneva was chosen as the first headquarters for OPEC for accessibility. If you think about the Middle East, depending on what's going on politically, certain countries may or may not be able to have its citizens fly into different parts of the Middle East, or maybe women have an issue getting in certain countries. And so OPEC knew they needed a universally accessible headquarter for OPEC. And so, like I said, Geneva was uh, chosen for the first one. Now, the interesting thing, Jake, is what was number two was going to be Baghdad. (laughs) So it's really good they hit big Baghdad the center of OPEC because you fast forward to five years ago and it would have been really, really bad. So for the first year, OPEC had its headquarters in in Geneva. And then what happened is the Swiss government was basically looking to get rid of a lot of foreign population, even though nobody will admit that. And so uh, OPEC decided to move It's it's headquarters again, and so you know that's why it is where it is, but there's a nice little story of why it's actually in Vienna, and that's
1: why. All right, our next question is from apparently John D. Rockefeller, (laughs) Um, entrepreneur of Standard Oil.
0: (laughs) It's actually funny.
1: He writes, hey guys, I was wondering if you read The Prize by Daniel Yergin or The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels by Alex Epstein. If so, I was wondering what your takes on them were. Also, are there any other oil and gas-related books that you would recommend?
0: Have you read either one of those two, Jake?
1: So I have not uh, read either one of these. I do have The Prize by Daniel Jurgen in my list of books to read.
0: Yeah, I haven't read it either, although I've heard it's really good. And I, I have read The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels. I've actually spoken to Alex Epstein. I like his take on it. I don't necessarily agree. So Alex Epstein's take basically is that the global warming, if it is caused by the use of hydrocarbons, the severity of it's much less than what the experts are saying. And quite frankly, we're an industry of engineers. so We can engineer solutions around it. You know, we we're speaking about new Orleans. They When well, new Orleans is an engineered city. <laughs> it's below sea level. And, and yes, they had a failure during Katrina, but you know, there's a lot of places in the world where engineering keeps the city dry and safe. And, and I don't want to get into this too deep, but I, I don't agree hundred percent with that yet. I, you know, I think global warming is legit. But I don't think anybody can prove that man's activity has sped up that cycle or not. And global warming is, of course, the opposite of when you're in ice age. So if you look outside, other than today, when it's freezing here in Houston, and you don't see glaciers, by default, we are in a period of global warming. Uh, But it is a very well-written book. And the funny thing about Alex Epstein is that he goes to all these oil and gas protests, and he'll wear – Pro fossil fuel shirt and go talk to people there, which I think is really good because I think the problem we have now is people don't talk. You know, it's either my side or your side. You know, if I don't believe your side, then I pay no attention to it. And we just need to have more dialogue around this. As far as any other good books, it depends on what you're looking for. There's a book called The Oil and Gas Industry, a Non Technical Guide. That's a really good book. There's Oil 101, which is another really good book. And then if you want to get into the business, there's a book called the Global Oil and Gas Industry Management Strategy and Finance. And uh, Jake, I'll give you the links to those books so you can throw it in the show notes.
1: All right, cool. So next question is from John Williams. He's a project manager at Anadarko. He writes, dudes, love the show. Now that it looks like the price of crude has stabilized and started creeping back up, companies are starting to hire again. My question is this, what do we need to do to attract more young people to our industry? Keep up the great work.
0: Jake, it seems like we get this question or something like this question a lot. We've talked about this before. We'll talk about it again Part of it is our own industry's fault. You know, I've been in this industry for over 20 years now. I hate to even think of it that way. And this industry is, is a predominant industry of engineers, and nothing against engineers. But what's happened for the last 50 years is when somebody says something that's either wrong intentionally or unintentionally, or just an outright lie about our industry, as an industry, we never raise our hand and go, oh, no, you're wrong about that. Let me correct you. Let me help you understand that. And then when social media exploded in the last 10 years, now one person can be heard by 100 million people. And so it's just amplified. That effect. So part of the problem with this is our own industry, is the oil and gas industry. We need to do a better job of helping the world's young people understand the truth about our industry. You know, that we bring prosperity and jobs, and that everything that makes modern life possible has hydrocarbons either in it or it was transported by hydrocarbons. So that's part of it. And that's a very long-term approach. And we we just finished doing our predictions for 2018. And we actually, one of our predictions is that We've hit the bottom of the negative perception oil and gas. And and, in 2018 and moving forward, the perception will get better and better. And we start to see it happen. That's a very long-term play. Short-term-wise, we need to get out in front of our kids that are in college, that are going to school to become engineers, uh, mathematicians, scientists, biologists, project managers, accountants, and let them know this is a great industry to work in. There's a lot of jobs in this industry. Um, There's a lot of money to be made. And it's an industry that really cares and and you know Jake and I are on the college speaking circuit we do that we have our other podcast which also you know, a lot of young people listen to but we need more companies to get involved in more things like new media right quit doing these large corporate video production that costs millions of dollars, talking about how great your company is, go interview some people. You know, Go interview some schools and talk about the money that you donated, their jobs and that sort of stuff, so that the people hear the truth from other people, not from big corporations. But you know, I don't know, Jake, it you have any other
1: angle on that? I think like we've talked about in the past, uh, the oil and gas industry will look like Silicon Valley one day. And I think it comes down to, we're kind of seeing just this cultural shift. You know, you and I have both been to a lot of these offices of some of these companies and and they don't really feel like oil and gas companies anymore. It feels like you're walking into, you know, a Facebook or an Amazon campus. So, you know, that, that is what the new millennial workers want. They want something that feels a little bit more hip, a little bit more fun. They want to actually enjoy their work. They don't want to be, you know, cooped up in cubicles. So, you know, I think it definitely starts with, uh, starts with that cultural shift. And I think, you know, once, once the industry can really, really adopt that, I think we're going to see a lot more people coming to the industry.
0: That's a good point, Jake, because there's another side of this, and the other side of this is the way this younger generation is going to work is different than my generation. So this younger generation, if they go to work for you, they're not going to work for you for 30 years, right? That was my generation, right? We go work for Exxon or Chevron or whatever, we worked for 30 years, and then we enjoyed life after when we retired. This younger generation doesn't do it that way. Even if they love you, and even if you pay them well, they want different experiences. They want to contribute. They want to feel like they're making a difference, and they're going to move around. So fundamentally- Even if you attract these younger people as an industry, we have to change the way that we expect things like retention to happen. Because it's just, it's not going to be the same. Things like having a more flexible workforce, things like a work-life balance. You know, I talked to a lot of young people in our industry and and the number one thing, I actually talked to a young person, I'm not going to mention what company, but he worked for one of the super majors that was very upset because he felt like he was in a moral quandary because he worked for a company that was helping destroy the planet. And once I explained to him the truth, like his face lit up and he goes, man, I feel so much better. That's the type of stuff we need to have happen to attract more people. And our industry has to understand that they're not going to work for you for 20 or 30 years. They want to do something different. You know, you can see a lot more entrepreneurs and startups in the industry than you've ever seen before. And all that's really good stuff. But, you know, John, besides just attracting young people in the industry, because you're right, we need to. It's it's vital. Our industry has to change the way we manage our workforce, and, and we don't have a choice. It's going to happen. I mean, it's happening right now. But good point, Jake. You're right. There's a lot of places you and I go when you walk in, and it's not the stuffy old oil and gas office. It's the big windows and open space and collaboration, and it's it's really, really cool that it's finally gotten here.
1: All right. Last question is from G Masters. He's a sales manager. He writes, so I think your show is great, and as you always both seem to try to stick to the facts, and even if I don't always agree with you politically, I do appreciate how you break everything down and make it easy to understand. Here's my question. As the world starts buying and using electric vehicles more and more, aren't you both afraid that the oil industry will disappear sometime soon? And what will happen to all the workers?
0: So first thing, G Masters, I, I'm not going to make fun of you. I'm really not. I, I want to because it's a funny question. But this is, I can tell you're being sincere. And I do appreciate the shout out. And Jake, we don't talk politics much on this show, do we? Yeah, we, we've tried not to. We try not to. And I guess you can kind of figure out where Jake and I stand on stuff just by the way we talk about things. But anyway, the oil and gas industry is not going to disappear ever. The world every year, including this year, uses more oil and gas. Right. So in 2018, we'll, the world will use more oil and gas than it did in 2017. And that trend has been going on forever. For over 150 years it's been going on. And it will continue that way. Now, how we use oil and gas is changing. But that's not new either. Our energy mix has changed from day one when we started out using biofuels right when we lived in small caveman groups we burned wood that's biofuel so what we use oil and gas for will change like it always has but it's not going away the electric vehicles Electric vehicles are great in the right situation. We need we need a, a update in battery technology vitally. But electric vehicles are great. But I would suspect that probably 75% of a Tesla has hydrocarbons in its manufacturer. Like all the plastics, all the vinyl, all the adhesives, all the paint, all the wiring, all the circuit boards, all that comes from hydrocarbons. And I would suspect that 100% of the parts and pieces of a Tesla are transported by hydrocarbons. So the oil and gas industry is not going to disappear. It's only going to grow. It's, I mean, we're seeing it right now. It may be that we use less and less oil and gas for motor vehicle transport, but we'll still have a continuing thirst for hydrocarbons because it makes everything possible in, in our modern world. So it's not going away. The cool thing about the, you asking about all the workers, this is another great tie-in time for me to talk about how jobs are changing. So, you know, things like drone pilots, things like blockchain technicians, right? Big data scientists. That's all stuff this industry didn't even need a few years ago. Now it's a big demand for that. So what's going to happen to the workers is we're going to need more of them. We may need less roughnecks or we may need less legal help, but we'll need other things. So, so the industry is going to continue to grow. And yes, I know that in the upstream side of the house, we just went through this downturn in this, this low crude price environment. And a lot of people got laid off. What you don't realize is that when that happens downstream, especially petrochemicals are hiring like crazy. So the industry in whole is healthy. It will change like every industry does. So G Masters, the industry is not going anywhere f- forever. But I do appreciate the fact that, that you don't necessarily agree with Jake and I politically, but
1: you appreciate the show. I love that. And that about wraps it up for the news story. So, Mark, do we have a winner?
0: Uh, We do. Congratulations, Ryan Keeney with Credit Energy Service. He's a field engineer. You have won this awesome Red Wing offshore bag. All of your friends are going to be so jealous because this thing is in super high demand. Uh, We get offered cash these things all the time because it's become like this cult item. The only way you can win one, though, is you have to go to redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast. That's redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast. Put your information in. You can enter every week, by the way. And we draw one lucky winner a week. See official site for rules and details. Then, you know what, Jake? I've heard several times from people wanting to know if we could post the links, the stuff we talk about. And we've done that from day one of the show. So if you're interested in any of the stuff we're talking about, go to oilandgasthisweek.com, find the show, and there's show notes. Jake works his little butt off filling those show notes out so you can go click on stuff instead of having to write stuff down while you listen to podcasts. So just know that the show notes are always there. And what's the rig count doing this week, Jake?
1: We're sitting at 1,014 rigs, so it's been the same for about two months.
0: Yeah, I suspect that will go up a little bit this first quarter. But you know what's interesting? Because of the changes in drilling rig technology that's happening out there, these newer, more mobile, higher horsepower rigs, especially on land, the connection to production and rig count is, is getting further and further away. So we may not see the rig count go up much, but we're seeing production go up actually a pretty decent amount. But we still, it's just, a, it's just a cool number to talk about, so we'll keep it in there. And then we have events on deck. Uh, Jake, next week I'm speaking about, speaking of jobs, I'm speaking about how to network in the oil and gas industry. Wednesday, January 10th, uh, if you're in the neighborhood, come check me out here in Houston. i uh, put a link in the show notes for that. And then there's this Young Woman Energize event that the uh, Women in Energy Network is doing, and I think it's really cool. So they're looking for high school females, high school women, grades 9 to 12, and they're going to do this half-a-day event to help young people see the potential jobs and what they have to do to get prepared for jobs in this industry so that is really cool that's gonna be on january 23rd we'll put a link in the show note there if you know any young woman in high school let her see what's going on here this is a great group of women that's doing some really cool stuff for the industry and the jake we got nate it doesn't seem like it's that has been that time yet but it is nape summit february 5th and 9th the whole ogg and crew will be there we'll be out there doing interviews shooting some videos having a good time so come join us there you yeah, have these events and more. And if you'd like to learn about this stuff without having to listen to the show, uh, we'll put a link in the show notes. I have a monthly newsletter where we take all these events, put them in one place. We give it to you free every month. And then we're looking for event sponsors in 2018. Reach out to me. I'll be happy to share details. It's a very targeted way to get your company, your product or service in front of, of prospects for you. And then this is the first Friday Q&A show do this every week. Uh, If you go to Oil & Gas this week, click on Ask a Question, submit your question, and we'll give you a shout-out on the show like we did everybody else. And then while you're there, go ahead and give us your email. All right, folks, Well, so I hope you appreciate all this. Uh, Is there anything else you need to talk about, Jake?
1: No, that about wraps it up, man. All
0: right, folks, remember, do great work, pay it forward, and we will see you next time. Tune in next week for another informative and entertaining episode of Oil & Gas This Week podcast a product of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasthisweek.com.